Greetings, Bethany North. Welcome to Advent Week 1 in our new series, The Heavens Declare. This is our scripture reading today as I'll preach all of Matthew 1. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here and then we'll pray and dive into it. Matthew 1, 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then verse 17 and 18. There were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for this time we have to declare your power. And we pray, God, you would uh, open us up from the inside out to hear this message in new and profound ways, to be shaped in order to be people following you more closely. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Welcome to Advent 2020. Again, the, the heavens declare is our theme for this month. Today's message title is called The Mystery of Hope. The Mystery of Hope. Um, just got back from a vacation and we had a little family reunion. I traveled down uh, with my half-sister's daughter's son. I stepped to the Homeland Security agent and he said, well, who is this? I said, well, these are my four kids. And he said, well, who's this? I said, well, this is my half-sister's daughter's son. And he said, so your great-grand-nephew? And we just kind of shared a laugh because family lines can be messy, but also really beautiful. Like later on, we got to gather with just a very small group of my family and new relationships forming from messy family lines. That's the point of the genealogy. That's where we're going to start this Advent series in Matthew 1. The genealogy, the family tree of Jesus, the 23 and me of the Bible. For those waiting for the Messiah, this line would be essential. And Matthew lays out the case. The time is right for Jesus. But why, God? Why right then, right now? Jesus was born 2,020 years ago in a time strangely similar to our own where the Roman Empire had a stranglehold ruling with power and might. And even in the homeland, King Herod had made a deal with Romans to be a puppet government. And so without a shred of hope or power is when Jesus was born. The promised Messiah for a people desperate for land and power and opportunity, God sent a baby. The family line of Christ says that in really broken situations, God promises to redeem us and heal us, but we'll need to hold on to the mystery of hope. We'll need to see brokenness not as something to hide away from, but we'll be, need to be ready for the Spirit of God to lead us and let go of our own control. And because of each of those names in the genealogy of Christ, God was faithful. Through the good kings, God was faithful. Through the bad kings, God called the next king. We say God works through broken situations. And it's also okay to say God, we hurt right now when there's brokenness and hurt when we see around us. And when we hurt, when we see brokenness, what is our response? May we be stirred to be followers of Christ in new ways. And so today, as we look at part one of this series, we're going to look at the family line of Christ to see that even broken family lines tell a complete story of Christ. And brokenness can be an opportunity for growth if we're humble. Let's look at Part one, even broken family lines tell complete stories. Matthew 1, 1 says, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of Abraham. When I was a kid in Sunday school told to read the Bible, I mean, I would come to the genealogies and you just skip these parts, right? Because the names and, and it just seemed like, well, what's even the point? 
But for Matthew, he, he lays out the, the calling card of Christ's messiahship, the, the symmetry, the 14 generations between Abraham and David, the 14 generations between David and the Messiah. It looks complete, it looks good, right? We're good, but you look closer. Verse three, Judah, whose mother was Tamar. Tamar, Genesis 38, who had an inappropriate relationship taken advantage of by her father-in-law. Look at verse 5 of Matthew 1. Salmon was the son of Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute who protected spies in the book of Joaz. Boaz, the, the son of Ruth. Ruth, nothing scandalous, but she was a widow, a woman who knew grief. Verse 6, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Impropri- just inappropriate relationship. David fell for his neighbor's wife and had a man killed. Verse 11, Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, at the time of the exile, God's promised people were actually sent into exile and captivity. All of this leads to verse 16 of Matthew 1. Hopefully you have your Bibles with you. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, married the mother of Jesus, who's called the Messiah. There's a rugged truthfulness in the genealogy of Matthew 1. You can't make this stuff up, and yet for many of us, it rings true to our own lives, right? But what the message is, is that God is faithful even in dark times. God is patient and he waited for just the right time to birth Christ. God is powerful, but the ways of Christ are disruptive and surprising because God's power will come in the form of a soft embrace and an invitation to consider Christ. So let me say it again really clearly. In Christ, we see even broken family lines tell a complete story. But the problem with many in the church historically is that when we fear telling the real, the raw, the gritty, we like to whitewash and diminish the Tamars, the Rahabs, the Rus, the Bathshebas, the Marys. Why? Well, probably a couple of reasons. Maybe patriarchy of the church, diminishing the role of women in the Bible and of faith. And often because we're scared that if people see God's line as somehow having brokenness, that the faith in Jesus will waver. So people of faith have kind of covered up this broken family line of Christ. Churches have done it. Ministries have done it. Pastors certainly have done it. But God doesn't do that. No, God is in the ministry of reconciling every broken relationship, every trip to Babylon, every Bathsheba and Solomon and bad king. Because what we hide from God won't get healed unless we bring it into the light. I mean, one of the most incredible verses of the Bible, I've shared it with you, it's one of my favorite, but Philippians 5.13, everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Wow. Like, that's what the scriptures say. Don't hide things away. Bring it into the light where God can heal and restore and redeem. That's the story of Advent. That's the heavens declaring that the mystery of hope that is in Christ Jesus is right in the middle of human brokenness, not despite human brokenness. And so if you've been victimized like Tamar or forgiven like Judah, God breaks through. If you've been marginalized like Rahab or scared for your life like the spies in the story of Joshua, God breaks through. If you've been hurt and grieved like Ruth, God breaks through. If you've been Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, and you've known love and loss and broken human relationship, God breaks through. If you feel like you're heading into captivity or stuck in a place you didn't set out for, at the cost of your own identity, God breaks through. Or if like Mary, maybe you feel like the wrong person at the wrong time and the wrong qualification, God breaks through. God breaks through for everybody. 
even broken family lines tell complete stories. Jesus can redeem every broken family system and bring you into a new family of faith because in Christ we get our new identity. Maybe the truth is the brokenness isn't just out there, those broken people out there, but it's my sin, my failure, my hiding. God wants to redeem these broken parts of of me too, of you too. The light shines in our darkness. Romans 5, 6, 7, 8 has this incredible declaration. You see at just the right time, Paul writes, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Verse 8 of Romans 5, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. Why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's called grace. So church, you are deeply flawed, but the good news is you are more deeply loved. Don't cover it up. Let God redeem the broken family line with his complete love. I mean, that's for me a lot of the journey God's had me on as a leader in the church during the pandemic. These last six months in particular have been the hardest I've faced. And, and recently we had some listening tours with different people of staff talking about how to, how to handle and attack race in our church. And people in our staff said, don't cover up when things have been hard. No, say the truth and lead us well. As we push our church ahead in the fight against racism, we need to learn that our repentance and our uncomfortableness is part of what God has for us. And we have to learn that our discomfort can teach us something, that God can make us stronger if we'll accept our humility. It's like going to the gym and working out. If there's no work, if there's no pain, there's very little growth. Recently, Pastor Raul was kind of sharing something that was on his heart. He said that, hey, Scott, when we did that prayer walk against racism, God really honored our repentance, and he's really brought health around our North team. That's the reality, friends. Broken family lines, because of Jesus' power, can tell complete stories. This is the mystery of hope. And the second thing I want to just share a little bit of time with is that God uses brokenness in order to shape us if we're humble and available. There's two stories at the end of Matthew 1, one Joseph, one King Herod. I'll talk more about King Herod in two weeks, but I want to talk a bit about Joseph because Joseph is this amazing example of a disciple, how God restores and God brings hope through Jesus. I mean, Herod wanted to kind of grab onto fake power and control and doesn't work out for him. But Joseph, now see, God used brokenness in Joseph's life and shaped him because he was humble and he was available. He was faithful. In the story of Joseph here, Jesus' earthly father, faithfulness looks like obedience. If you read Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25, you see this. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. Joseph before they came together, Mary was found to be pregnant through the Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He wanted to do the right thing. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in dreams and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus. He'll save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and they'll give birth to a son and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, even though it was so painful for him. And he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And they gave him the name Jesus. Feels like every year we dig into uh, these texts at Christmas time, and every year I'm surprised, I'm delighted, I'm inspired by the faithful witness of Joseph. Joseph's only named a few times in the Gospel of Matthew, and he's not mentioned at all after Jesus becomes a man. The assumption is he probably died when Jesus was a young man. But church, we all want to live a life of meaning, of purpose, of significance. But Joseph knew that the meaning was found in submitting to God's will and laying his own plans on the altar of obedience. This is a staggering account of discipleship accountability. In verse 19, Joseph was faithful. Some translations say he was a good man. He wanted to serve Mary even in her disgrace. He knew the law, it says, because the scriptures have mattered. They mattered then, they mattered now. We have to be people to find our bearing within and through the scriptures. This season, of all seasons, the time to open your scriptures, open the Bible at home, read the Advent story individually or with people you live with, light a candle, use the Bethany wreath, bring Christ alive in your home. The missionary Jim Elliott says, the light that shines farthest shines the brightest at home. And I love that because there is a kingdom ethic to our, to our um, nature of discipleship. We're always more than our individual decisions, but we're never less than them. So in conclusion, church, start this Advent season with acknowledgement that God works in incomplete family lines and brokenness. Be a Joseph, be a Mary, be open where the spirit wants to redirect and shape you and make you aware of the mystery of hope that awaits in Christ. This Christmas, be open to the mystery of hope. Not a saccharine hope devoid of truth. Not a a fake hope like a plastic Christmas tree covered with artificial chemicals to make it look like snow. No, consider Christ, the king of the universe who arrives in the straw and stench of a stable. A leader who led from his knees. A king who knew what it was like to be captive. A man and also God. The king of the world. A friend, a counselor, a healer, a reconciler, a chain breaker a righteous king. Jesus is the embodiment of the mystery of hope. And so may that be our story in this season. But we've got we've to look for hope. We've got we've to seek to make this story our story. Uh, I have um, been inspired by this quote recently by Ta-Nehisi Coates, um, African-American writer currently. He said, what if these aren't bumps in the road? What if this is our road? What if brokenness and hopelessness and pain, church, aren't something we deal with once? What if they're constant temptations? What if our hope will constantly be under siege of, you know, where does our hope come from, our present reality or Christ? May we practice what we preach. Like I, had a, I had this, you know, um, this sermon I was prepping about be a Joseph, be a Mary, even in, you know, broken family lines, the, the complete hope of Christ is on display. And I had a, a leadership meeting with the Ministry of Racial Justice and Reconciliation with our key leaders of color from all six locations Monday night. And right before that meeting, I had this epic argument with my kids. I mean, I will, I'll spare you the details, but it was a spilled blueberry smoothie and we were gonna have this Pinterest moment of putting the decorations on the tree and instead I'm you know, steam cleaning the carpet with a Zoom meeting starting about 10 minutes and I'm yelling at everyone and I you know, walk into my office in a, in a huff. 
And then the shame hit. And the discouragement hit. Man, you're not a Joseph. You know, you're, just, you're trying to say these things, Scott, but you fail all the time. Where's the hope you feel tonight? I was discouraged. I was coveting other people's journey. I mean, I'll spare you the details, but I just got into a funk. Went to bed really discouraged. And I woke up the next morning and I tried to practice what I preach. I opened the scriptures. I was reading in Isaiah, particularly Isaiah 11. The lion will lay down with a lamb and a little child will lead them. I lit candles. I prayed. I said, God, forgive me for when I fail and help me live my values. Help me find my hope, Lord, in you and not the wreckage of whatever I see around in the moment. And God restored me in just small ways. And then I got to turn to my family and said, hey, sorry, I lost my temper. This is the work, church. This is an Advent season unlike any other. But we're going to keep declaring the hope that comes in Christ. And our hope over these next four weeks is that our faith can grow. Our hope will increase. And may these stories from Matthew 1 remind us to, that we belong in the story. Not despite our brokenness, but right in the middle of it. Even incomplete family lines tell the complete story of the hope that is in Christ. And when we fail, may we be like Joseph in humility and and, and just kind of openness to where the Spirit wants to lead, would we lay our plans on the altar and say, Lord, lead me, all of it, for God's glory. Would you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you for these moments to consider uh, just the beginning of Advent, these holy scriptures of Matthew 1, of the family line Christ that you arose from, stories of loss and and. Stories of growth, stories of bad kings and stories of good kings and so many different places to find ourselves in the story. Jesus, thank you that you are our Emmanuel, that you are God with us. Thank you that you came 2,020 years ago. Thank you that you live by the power of the Spirit in our lives now. Increase in us, God. May our hearts echo over this month ahead. Like John uh, said, that you must become greater and we must become less. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray.